Welcome to the Conscious Fire Culture. We give you direct access to healers, practitioners, and shamans as we explore alternative medicine for wildland firefighters. The mission is to break the stigma of mental health in wildland fire and lower the suicide rates. Our intention is to guide you through a transformation that creates a ripple effect in our community. Welcome, I'm so excited you've made it. All right, check this out. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are coming together for this amazing collaboration. This is going to be the most powerful thing to come to the wildland fire community in a long time, I think. And that is, you know, master plant ceremonies mixed with holistic medicine, with acupuncture, chiropractors, so the breakthrough session, all these things coming into one to support you, the wildland firefighter, to help you regain your mental health, your physical health, and get back to peak performance as soon as possible. Because when we work with master plants and essential oils and acupuncture and chiropractic and mental emotion release, when we put all these together, it is a powerful transformational experience that really it's it's beyond words because once you're touched by the divine once you're in touch with that healing energy of the universe with that innate power for you to heal yourself there's no stopping it it's like a runaway train it's like you're gonna start healing you're gonna have a transformation that has this ripple effect that goes beyond just you and your family but to your crew to your fire station to your you know your workstation to your forest, to your region, to the community. And really what we want to do is, is give you the most amazing ceremonial experience and back that up with the integration. How do you take those experiences and come back to 3D reality and implement them? Implement those lessons, those realizations that are so deep and profound that your entire life changes. How do you integrate those? You know, one of my great mentors once told me, it's like, you get a puzzle and all the pieces are all spread out but then you get to start putting that puzzle back together into a new way a new possibility a new way of being and that's that's what the foundation is working on you know the first retreat is the end of january of 2022 and if that's interesting to you i want you to go to the wildlandwellnessfoundation.com check that out and just schedule a call with melissa and See if it's a good fit. Again, that's wildlandwellnessfoundation.com. The foundation of Mountain Mind Tricks is the breakthrough sessions for wildland firefighters. And it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life is to guide somebody through an awakening experience, remembering that they have the power to heal and giving them the tools to release the anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt from their past, and to truly release it, to let it go. And when I see these transformations in my clients, it's like night and day. There's before the breakthrough session, and then there's after. And there's just so many times that their transformation touches me that I, I cry. Like it, it's so powerful and joyful to see that transformation inside them. And and there's there's so many modalities out there. There is acupuncture and traditional therapy and plant medicine. And, but I love the breakthrough session. I think it's an amazing adjunct to all these other things or even Western medicine. And the breakthrough session is so important to me because it's what changed my life. 
It's what allowed me to completely let go of my anxiety and to move forward and to become the healer that I am today, to start my own company, Mountain Mind Tricks. Like that's that's because of the breakthrough session. Without that, there wouldn't be any of this. And so if you're interested in a breakthrough session to really overcome the blocks in your life, to let it all go, to really step into your light and be who you know you could be, if you want that to happen for you, just go to mountainmindtricks.com, go ahead and click that button, alternative mental health, scroll through there if it looks like something you want. Let's, let's schedule a discovery session. Let's just chat about it. Let's have a talk to make sure it's a good fit. So again, go to mountainmindtricks.com and click the alternative mental health button. Welcome everybody to the Conscious Fire Culture Podcast. Thomas and I are so excited today to have Sherry Timko on, who is a licensed relationship coach. And I just want to make a mention, first off, that she has made a free walkthrough guide specifically made for wildland firefighters that works with those longer transitions, like between fire seasons or between off-season and regular season, especially in relationships. And that is available on her website. So go ahead and go check that out at the end of the show. Otherwise, we dive deep into how relationships work, what integration looks like, all sorts of different topics on how to better your relationship and how to better yourself as you work with the relationship. And we get some incredible tips and some really practical applicators going through in this discussion. Stay tuned. Welcome everybody to the podcast. I'm so excited for today. We have an amazing guest. Her name is Sherry Timko. She's a relationship coach. And we're going to be talking about the transitions of fire season, of fire assignments, the seasonality, just the transitions and how hard that is on on our relationships. Uh, We also have Ann Martin here, my co-host. I'm so excited she's here with us. And and Sherry, could you introduce yourself and let us know, like, how did you become a relationship coach? Because there's usually a story, right? Like how we we became a, a helper or healer or a practitioner, right? What's that story like? Oh, thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to come and talk to you guys. Well, I think, so my story is that I came up through the mental health world. Um, I've been a psychotherapist for 20 years. And prior to that, I worked in a bunch of different uh, mental health environments. Um, And over the years, I honed down to specializing in working with couples. So that's really where my heart and passion is. Um, I've learned that just about every couple can have a just really amazing relationship. Uh, They do have to be thoughtful and intentional and they have to work through the problems. Um, And I've just seen some amazing things where couples thought that they were really at the end of their relationship and they were able to turn that around and really claim that close and connected relationship where they both feel at ease and feel like they're getting their needs met. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So really like the, the rekindle or re-sparking the kind of the, the older relationship, right? Yeah. I find that the, at the beginning of the relationship, you have all of those amazing feelings of love and generosity and kindness. And then I guess people kind of expect that the problems are just going to work themselves out because they love each other. But what happens is they let some of those 
those points of contention go too long and they don't work through and figure out how to live well together. And they don't transition well from one season of their relationship to the next. And so instead they build up resentment and disappointment and frustration with one another. And it, those feelings really block that free flow of, of love and generosity and kindness. So a lot of times they have to go back to those problems and clean them out and figure out how they're gonna live well together so that there's more positive feelings can flow easily. Oh, I love that so much. And so I guess, is there is there stages of a relationship? Like you kind of mentioned the seasons, but could you kind of explain to us the stages of a relationship that they go through? Those stages, I can talk to you about general stages, but one of the things that I love about couples is that every couple is unique that they, their relationship is the intersection of two different personalities, two different sets of needs. So I am gonna talk a lot about relationships, but the really best relationship is when you take those differences and you fit them together and you create something that couldn't exist in any other setting with any other two people. Um, in the beginning, there is a whole chemical cocktail that's going on in your brain that allows you to look at your partner and see the best in them and really minimize any of the red flags or things that don't really work well together. And during that initial stage, you're really laying the foundation of the relationship. And not that that can't be changed or worked on, but you're laying the foundation and you either have a good foundation or the relationship falls apart when that chemical cocktail starts to settle down. Um, so then you go into a stage of really committing to each other where you make the decision that this is the person that you wanna go forward with. For many couples, that's engagement and marriage, there's lots of more informal ways that couples make that decision. Most couples then have a time period when they can figure out how to live well together, where they work out the kinks and they figure out how they're gonna work through problems and clean up things when it goes poorly, um, where they figure out how they're going to feel connected with each other on a day-to-day -day basis. And then typically they will turn their attention elsewhere. That might be to kids or into their career more, but other things start to take a bigger priority in their time and attention and their energy. And they want that relationship to kind of run seamlessly in the background while being able to work on other things. Um, and then they get to the point where they're wrapping up those things and some couples turn back towards other back towards each other and some couples kind of move on to volunteer or or retirement activities so those are the stages i really appreciate the the concept of really connecting with another person with your own unique values and your own unique decisions and your own unique 
like way of living and being able to be so whole in yourself and understand where you come from and then being able to match that with someone else and the connection that can kind of come out of it. And that's some of the language we can use when like the relationship's really going great and really going um, in a happy direction. But I want to kind of get Sherry's thought too as well on like what are the first steps when you start recognizing conflict comes up and what happens when the relationship isn't perfect? As far as signs that things are not going well, like what are those first signs? Um, now, I come from a world of doing something early is always much, much better. If you see signs that something is not working well, intentionally thinking about how can I shift this when there's a very small problem is so much easier than waiting until things kind of blow up. Oh, I love that. That's such beautiful advice to really to really get to the problem as soon as possible. And I think we see this. I think one of the best ways I think about this is like on a on a big crew, like when we have 20 people, it's like when there's little tiny like arguments or things, if we don't actually deal with those, say in June, by October, it's like completely destroyed the whole crew. And 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 I think to elaborate even deeper, like with the spouse, if we don't deal with this soon, it just festers, right? And it just, like, I'm guessing it starts to amplify that resentment, that frustration, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And most couples will wait too long before doing something. Uh, The research says that the average couple will wait six years after having problems start before they'll actually get some help to deal with those. Here at Mountain Mind Tricks, we value you taking steps to increase your confidence, your peak performance, your leadership, and your resiliency. Our mission is to build safety and protect resources by developing the individual through tested, researched, and successful techniques. See yourself accomplishing everything you want in the future. See yourself in the place that you want to be, making the money you want to make, having successful relationships, being healthy and being connected with your higher mission and purpose. At Mountain Mind Tricks, we now offer you your choice of practitioner for the sessions that will get you to being who you want to be. We have options available for coaching sessions, breakthrough sessions, fitness and nutrition, and breathwork. Go to mountainmindtricks.com and click on the alternative mental health button. Here you'll have access to providers and information to help you do what you've always wanted to do. Choose your practitioner and schedule a free call to find out if you're a good fit. Get information on how breakthrough sessions work, why coaching can help you reach your goals, what breath work is, and how transformative it can be, and how to take your fitness to the next level. If you're looking to solve problems in your life, become a leader, and operate with peak performance, Mountain Mind Tricks can help you get there. Contact Thomas or Ann if you're interested in a breakthrough session, which can be life-changing and is a proven and successful technique. Again, visit mountainmindtricks.com and click on that alternative mental health button or browse around and find out some of the other resources we have. Wow. Wow. That's a long time. Six years. That's amazing. Like, and so what are, what are, what's your advice for, for kind of, you know, maybe we notice that there's problems. What are some of the first steps to take? The first step to take is, all right, so I go in too many different directions with this question. I think one of the things that's helpful is to think of this with a mindset shift, that you are walking down a path with someone. 
you're not getting to a destination necessarily, but you're in progress walking down this path throughout the relationship. So this isn't something where you take stock of your relationship and then you say, all right, we, we're there, we've done it. It's a continual reassessment of where are we and how are we doing so that there's adjustments along the way. Yeah, that's so important, like the mindset shift. Oh, I love that. And and so what's what's kind of the next step if, if we shift our mind? Is there like action to take or like what's kind of the next steps after that? The next thing is the assessing that you do along the way. So just noticing the places where there's kind of a roughness between you, where you rub each other wrong. Now, that doesn't that isn't a huge sign that things are off track, but that is a sign that there is a, pl a place or a way that you're interacting that doesn't work really well for both of you. So then you can take a look at that situation and say, well, is there something that either of us could do differently that would make that work more smoothly? And sometimes that's just a minor adjustment, and sometimes you need to make much bigger adjustments. But asking that question is really the crux of being open to doing something different. Oh, I love that. And of course, we have to actually make the adjustment in the relationship, right? To actually listen to our partners and and truly feel and listen and then do the action, right? Yes, in an ideal world. But I would also give you just the tiniest bit of pushback that sometimes we decide that that is something that we can live with. And that is still a decision that's really important. And sometimes we say, you know, that rubs me wrong, but that's not something that I care about that much that I'm going to do something different. And as long as your partner can is also on board about that, it's okay to say we hit a rough spot here. Now, I'll give you an example. Um, when my husband and I travel, we usually have an argument either before we get in the car or right after we get in the car. In fact, driving up the road away from our house, I just have this montage of memories of remembering driving up that road and being in some sort of a tiff with each other. Now, I have tried to change that little interaction, but what I know is that is the culmination of the stress of getting ready to go on vacation. And so to some degree, I accept that we're probably going to have some irritation with each other as we're leaving. And the sooner we move through that and let that go, the sooner we get to the fun of the vacation. So I try that by the end of that road, I'm like, okay, that was just us being frustrated with each other. It's stressful. And we let that go. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So, so I wanted to ask you uh, one more question. One of the questions I'm I'm kind of just hearing percolating here is is sometimes these problems are actually an opportunity for growth, right? It's an opportunity to grow together. And I would love to get your your thought on that. Everything is an opportunity for growth. And the more that you embrace that in life, the easier your life is going to be. 
and you can see it as an opportunity for growth and pick up that opportunity and work on it or you can ignore those opportunities for growth and they will pile up and culminate and then you'll have a crisis and then you can do the growth um, i personally prefer to do things a little bit more proactively but i also know that sometimes we just have to wait for a crisis because that's what motivates us to do that that growth i think the big question that's coming up for me right now is like say in a relationship that like we've had something happen or we've identified a problem or like even as far as like a trauma has happened and now we're trying to work through that and we've both made kind of the intention that we want to get through it and want to understand it but my ways of coping is different than my partner's and i'm interested on maybe some tips or some new perspective on like what I can be doing as an individual to work through my own thoughts and feelings on maybe the incident or whatever it was. Um, and then like what happens, how do I communicate with my partner because their coping is different or because they aren't willing to participate in the same like healing as I am. There are two types of traumas in relationships. One are traumas that happen between them and then the other are traumas that happen outside, like to one of them that they're coping with and the other is a support person. It is much easier on the relationship when it is a trauma that happens to one of them outside the relationship because the other person has the luxury of being the support. The harder ones are when there's a trauma between them, such as an affair, breach of trust, um, not being there for one another, those kinds of things. I guess I would just start off by saying that you're not supposed to work through things the same way. And in fact, if people work through things exactly the same way, they would be at the same spot at the same time. And that means that maybe they would both need support in the same way at the same time and the other person couldn't be a support to them. So it's actually good that couples don't work through problems exactly the same way. Some tips for that is to really identify who's the who's the one who needs the help at that moment. Because if the person if one partner just had a trauma they are the highest priority in needing support. Now, that also has to shift at some point because the person who's offering support is probably gonna need support at a different time so that they get what they needed out of that situation. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful and so true. I love that perspective of, of you know, it's really important that we're not that we're not on the same path together at the same exact time, I guess. Yeah, that's such a beautiful perspective. Thank you. I want to guide you through natural wellness and holistic medicine, which means using products like essential oils, essential vibes, glutathione mouthwashes, or even reading books. There's so many products out there that can help us, supplements, essential oils. There's so many things about the doTERRA lines of 
essential oils that I use every day, like lemon to detox my body and help me hydrate, like on guard to give me that extra edge in my immune system with the pandemic going, uh, balance to keep me grounded and moving forward in my life. I use the oils every single day, morning, afternoon, night. One of the biggest things they help me with is sleep. I sleep so well because I'm, you know, I'll lay on the lavender, I'll lay on the balance, I'll feel so grounded and sleepy and it's lights out. And I know the wildland fire community just struggles so much with sleep, really the lack of it, right? On top of that, there's books. There's, I've written three major books for the wildland fire community, and, and I want you to try them out. Give them a read. Get the ebook. Get the paperback. Whatever suits you. But there's Overcome Anxiety Like a Hero. Really teaches you how to get into a flow state. Awakened by Heart Fire is really the spiritual aspects of wildland fire, and the Heart Fire anthology, the guided meditations, the Heart Fire method will completely change your life. And of course, Six Minutes for Excellence. That is a guidebook for wildland firefighter excellence, peak performance, mindset, all those things. So go to mountainmindtricks.com, check out the store, check out essential oils, essential vibes, uh, go to the publishing tab, check out the books. Natural wellness is all about taking one step today that makes us 1% better. 1% better today, 1% better tomorrow, and 1% better the next day and the next day. One little habit adds up to moving an entire mountain with our health. That's what I want to guide you through. The essential oils, essential vibes, books, supplements, whatever you need, I'm here for you. So just go ahead and go to mountainmindtricks.com and click on the shop and go to essential oils, essential vibes, or go to the publishing tab and, and check out the books we've got. I think we imagine being in lockstep with our partner as we go through things. But if you were, you would both be in crisis at exactly the same time, and neither one of you would have anything to offer the other. So I think of it more like one offering support and then the other offering support as they both go through and process things. Mm, wow. Oh, there's so much there's so much here to go into, but I, I want to I want to um, move a little bit to like the uh, the transitions of of you know our wildland fire community. They're gone for two weeks. They're home for three days. Gone for two weeks, like for a six months, and then they transition home to being laid off. So there's like so many. It's such a different dynamic because of the transitions are so much bigger and so much more often. If that makes sense. And so, how can our uh, wildland firefighters? have a successful transition into the relationship when they get home? First off, I want to say that this is a problem that every couple has. And I, it's very, very rare that I meet a couple who is intentional and even thinks about these transitions. So it may be that your community does better with these because they can't ignore them. They happen and they're really powerful and they, they, they have to have a plan or deal with it. Now, that being said, most couples don't have good plans for their transitions. And so those transitions can really rock the relationship. Mm, mm, yeah, it's so true. And I think, you know, for, for at least from my experience in the relationships, you know, that I, I went through a couple relationships after 15 years in fire, you know, until I met my wife and, 
and it seems like the the end of the season transition like the big one from being gone all the time to being home all the time it was i i think it was so hard because you know me as the wildland firefighters like oh they don't understand what i'm going through like i have to be on the couch for the next two weeks because like my body's done you know you know what i mean it's like there's like maybe a judgment of of what we need to rest and then it's also like a judgment of of uh of the other partner right i feel like judgment may be part of the problem at least in my past i would love to hear your thoughts on that kind of the judgment of the transition right it makes sense that you would have the hardest transition at returning after the season what happens at that moment is that both of you come together exhausted you've both been doing this full-time job that's all encompassing and there's this illusion that the other person is going to come back you're going to come back together and the other person is going to have energy so that you can rest and so you come to that transition with really unrealistic expectations about what's going to happen yeah it's so true because it's like what's coming up for me is like okay i'm home from fire season and now i have all the chores around the house to do the honeydew list of building stuff or doing all this physical stuff and it's like wait a minute that's the last thing like i literally can't do that right now for like the next month right because i have to do this rest recovery kind of self-care thing after fire season and so it was that was really hard to come home to that so i think you're 100 right and of course the the other partners is wanting that rest from doing all the chores for the last six months, right? And and taking care of everything around the house. And so that's really insightful. All right. So when we're talking about transitions, you have the transition apart, you have the time apart, and you have the transition together. When you're transitioning apart, a lot of couples will get into arguments as they're getting ready to, to separate or they will go into almost a cold mode where they're like disconnecting before they're actually physically separated. Mm. So things that you can put in that spot are things such as specifically talking about expectations about when you're separated, both what needs to be handled by the partner who stays behind and what are the expectations about what the separation is going to look like i was thinking about this as the minimal uh interaction that the partner can expect while they're separated so intentionally talking about those and having some rituals around how you say goodbye now for many couples this would be having some relaxed and fun time together where they remember why they're a couple. Mm, That's so beautiful. For others, this can be like how we say goodbye, like a real moment of saying goodbye, saying I love you, making eye contact, having some physical affection, and having that be um, like kind of our thing that we do as we separate. I think transitions are like inevitable, but always very difficult. So I think sometimes um i know when i leave my family in the beginning of a fire season like it's a little bit heartfelt like yeah i'm really gonna miss you and you try and solidify the good stuff um but it's almost like a little bit of guilt maybe that kind of comes up of 
now I think I'm leaving somebody behind. Like I really care about what I do and I really care about the value that I bring to my work and I love my work. Um, but then still having that concept of, I wish I can be in two places at once and understanding the emotions that kind of come with having value in the relationship and having value in my work. And that connection gets strained pretty quickly because you start missing the person at home and you start missing your work when you're not there. And it's that like really big internal battle of who am I between a relationship and my job or between two things that I love and how do I um, like really be okay with doing both things and having a really independent person and being connected with both things at the same time. Yeah, that's a great dance between the individual person and the couplehood. The more you can give voice to that and just be honest about that struggle, the easier it is for your partner to kind of relax and know that you are struggling between those two things and that that is part of the connection between the two of you. Now, once you're separated, this is where there's lots of opportunity for you to for your personality to dictate what are the things that keep you guys connected while you're apart. For instance, for some couples, that's going to be a random text or for other couples, that's going to be much more solidified, like send me some pictures of what the day was like so that I know what was happening for you. Um, But that there would be some expectation that you could both fall back on as that minimum amount of contact that you're going to have as much as is possible in the changing circumstances of being out in the wildland and fires and and uh, connectivity issues and going into crisis mode, but that you would both have that minimum level that you would have connection as much as possible. Check this out. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are coming together for an amazing collaboration. We're creating a recurring, powerful retreat that combines master plant ceremony, spiritual connection, holistic medicine, acupuncture, breakthrough sessions, and integration. There will be compelling human connection and resources to give you peak performance, resiliency, and the tools to become a leader. All of these things coming together to support you, the wildland firefighter, to help you regain your mental health, your physical health, and your peak performance. When you combine these powerful modalities, it will create a transformational experience that is beyond words. Once you connect with the incredible source of healing energy in the universe, you can use the innate power to heal yourself. You're going to start healing. You're going to have a transformation that has a ripple effect that goes beyond just you. You can affect, inspire, and connect with your family, your crew, your station, your region, and even to the community. Our intention is to give you the most incredible ceremonial experience and combine that with integration. We will help you take those experiences and implement the lessons and realizations that are so deep and profound that your entire life changes. One of my mentors taught me that when you experience an event, you're given a puzzle. And when you try and learn and integrate that experience, you get to take the pieces that have been spread across your life and you get to put them back together in a new way and create new possibilities. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are creating this for you. 
The next retreat is in June of 2022. If this is something that interests you, go to wildlandwellnessfoundation.com and schedule a call with Melissa to see if this is an experience that can help you thrive. We've also uploaded a few episodes about the January retreat on this podcast, so check out our episode list and get a detailed journey of what's possible. Again, go to wildlandwellnessfoundation.com to learn more and to step into possibility. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's, oh, I love that. Having having like a, a ritual of communication of, of some sort or expectation or speaking about that, I think that's so, so important. And so I wanted to ask you, it's a little bit, little bit off topic, but like the, the idea of love languages, I think like we've all talked about that or heard of it, but I would love to get your take on love languages of when we're together, but also maybe when we're apart, what does the, how did those change? Well, the love languages don't change, but the behaviors might. So the love languages are a very powerful way of talking about what connection looks like um, and offering and asking for what's actually going to touch your heart. But equally important is recognizing that when your partner is talking in their love language, they're trying to tell you that they love you. Mm. If your love language is words and your partner's love language is um, gifts, they may give you a gift that doesn't touch your heart, but they are trying to tell you in a heartfelt way that they really love you. So giving them some credit for that. Mm. Well, that's so beautiful. And so, so that's such an interesting word credit, because I think that shows up in some relationships of like, oh, you get credit for the dishes, you get credit for doing this or that, like, is, 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 uh, is that something you talk about is like the credit system or earning points? You know what I mean? Does this ever show up for your clients? It does. And um, this is where language fails to really encapsulate what's happening because this isn't a tally sheet but it is a generous giving towards each other but our language doesn't talk about it that way our language talks about like a love bank so when you're doing something kind to your partner you're making a deposit into that love bank and when you have a negative interaction you're making a withdrawal from that but that's all about points and keeping track and how and um how much you give versus how much i give and the reality is that what we give needs to come from a place of generosity even if we don't feel in sync even if we're struggling in that relationship and that often we have to give far more than what feels fair at that moment mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's, I love this so much. So, so I want to shift gears a little bit to communication tools and get your thoughts on, you know, like for me personally, like I, my whole career now is communication and speaking and, and working with clients through language, but I still struggle with communication with my wife. Like, it's so interesting. Like I talk all day at work, but then when I get home, it's like, oh man, like talking and speaking and communication, like it's still a struggle in the relationship. I mean, we get better and we would talk about it, but how do we actually communicate with our partners? Like, I would love to hear that from you. This problem of communication is a problem that everybody has. And I'll tell you, there's a really good reason 
why we have trouble with it. I also teach communication skills. I use very skillful language when I'm helping a couple communicate with each other. And then I'll go home and say something that rubs my husband the wrong way. And I'll know that I didn't use the best language that I could. But there's a really good reason why this happens. When we're with our partners, most of the time we are relaxed. And we should be relaxed with our partners. That's what we want. That's why we have that relationship with them. But when we are relaxed, we are not monitoring every word that we say and how we say it. So we're almost set up to have communication problems just because we are doing what a relationship allows us to do, and that's to be relaxed around each other. Oh, that makes so much sense of like being in that relaxed state allows us to maybe let our guard down a little bit or whatever it is. So we have a much more relaxed demeanor into our communication. That really fires up a question in me of like when you are so relaxed, like what communication is coming out, what your unconscious is trying to speak of. Is it something where you're kind of tired at the end of the day and you're not really thinking clearly or putting together sentences so it's just kind of gibberish that's coming out that might you know rub somebody the wrong way that wasn't your intention or is it something that the unconscious is like you have an unmet need somewhere maybe it's in the relationship or maybe it's with you personally that um, your unconscious has recognized and maybe you haven't really acknowledged yet and it's coming out as maybe rubbing your partner the wrong way Uh, but it's something that needs to get addressed at a deeper level and I think just kind of taking time to like open up and almost judge some of your conversations saying like, I know I did this to my partner. I said this to my partner. Why is that? And maybe it's a personal reflection and maybe it's a couple reflection, but just to identify that, yes, I understand that this maybe made somebody upset or we didn't feel great about it. And then how is that showing up for me and how is that showing up for us? And maybe getting to the root cause of like what is really underneath that and how to address that. So maybe for Sherry, that maybe some techniques on when you have an argument or when there's some pretty big tension, or I said something stupid, how do you kind of number one, rectify that? And maybe two, um, like really internally kind of come forward with more thoughtful communication. And I'm really going to think about what you just said, because I have a a little bit more maybe optimistic telling of that story of when we rub each other wrong. But I think there may be something to what you're saying that I'm going to need to think about some more. So I thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that for the most part, when couples are relaxed, they actually have half conversations. They will jump into a thought that they were in the middle of, and they will expect their partner to have been on that mental journey with them. So they say something and their partner is like, I don't know what you're talking about, or that rubbed me wrong because I wasn't following your logic. So one of the things that I say to couples all the time is stop having half conversations. If your partner just reacted to you poorly, that's a time for you to stop. Think about what you just said did it communicate what you meant it to say? Was there other stuff that wasn't said that they need to hear in order to understand what you just said to them? Oh, I love that. The half conversation that makes so much sense of, you know, our wheels are spinning. 
you know, during dinner or whatever it is throughout the day, we're kind of unpacking everything. And it's like, we're just going a million miles an hour from one thought to the next and not sharing. It's almost like when we, you know, do a math problem, but don't show the work. I guess that's really what's coming up for me is like, wait a minute, how'd you get there? What's happening? I don't understand Right. Is what the partner is going through. And then the other person's like, but the answer is right here. <laughs> so that's so interesting. I, I love this. Um, you know, showing our work uh, for me, that's, that's the way I think of it. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. So in terms of tips that you can use, uh, the first would be that if you see a reaction on your partner's face, that means that something hit them poorly. Now that may not mean that you said something, it may be something that's happening with them, but taking a deep breath and pausing and saying, what just happened for me? What's happening for them? gives you the opportunity to respond to them in a thoughtful way. Another tip would be to really keep conflict conversations from just springing up out of nowhere. If you have something and it's bothering you, talking about that when it makes sense to talk about that is setting yourself up for success. So for example, lots of couples love to touch base on things right before bed. As long as they're not real intense things, that can be a wonderful time to connect and kind of catch each other up. But lots of couples will hit on something that they don't agree about, and then they'll get locked into that and they will spend an hour or two hours and cut into their sleep time. And those conversations almost never come to a good resolution. You're just prolonging something that really needs to be thoughtfully talked about at a time when you both can bring your best self to that conversation. Mm, yeah, it's so true. That's definitely happened in my relationships. And and that's, that's so powerful. It's like setting a time to talk about something more serious. I love that. That's that's so beautiful. What are some other communication tools we can use to really set boundaries? Because I think boundaries come up in relationships, right? And how do we sometimes set a boundary with our partner? So which kind of boundaries are you talking about? Boundaries between you guys and the outside world, boundaries about how you talk about things, boundaries about how you live life together. Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe it's more about like personal values and like how do those come together to like the boundary of how we execute our relationship together how we do we live together and i think like you said there's so many more categories to this but i think that's that's kind of like a big one like like maybe disciplining the child like that makes the values come up right and it's like how how do we communicate those boundaries and values with each other so boundaries when you guys have different values. Um, first of all, you're supposed to have slightly different values. You're not supposed to look at the world exactly the same. Second of all, what your partner brings to that conversation is to help broaden how you look at that issue. So they're going to bring something different so that you can understand this more deeply than you could if you were looking at this by yourself. They're your ally. They're not working against you. Bringing a separate perspective is so that you can both 
come to a better decision together. Mm, I love that. So then setting boundaries around that, you do have to know what you're going to be okay living with and what you can't. And being able to say that to your partner without uh, judging them as wrong, but saying, these are my boundaries. This is what I can live with. What can you live with? And where is the overlap in that? That's really that sweet spot of making sure both person's needs are met in the situation. But you can't just focus on your own boundaries and your own needs. You have to think about this as we both need our needs met in this situation. Right, right. Oh, that's so great. And so so I guess I want to get your take on almost like the relationship is a separate entity, as in it's like it's actually something to work on together, right? Like in, in, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is to me, it's almost like a third consciousness is the relationship. And I want to get your thought on this. I think about it like two overlapping circles. Mm. So you've got yourself, you've got your partner, and then you've got the overlap of those two. And that's where the relationship lies. And for some couples, they are almost all overlapping and other couples are almost overlapping just this tiny little sliver. And that can work really well as long as both partners can find that that comfort and safety in that structure. I guess the other piece of this too is when we talk about communication and the the transition rituals and like lengthening or really having a functional, healthy relationship for long-term, I think, of course, we have to talk about sexuality or intercourse or like intimacy, right? But how how do we keep the, like, how does the partners keep each other like mentally stimulated in that, right? Like keeping the intimacy fiery and the spark and all those things, like, what do you recommend couples for that? You know, I almost think that, these lengthy separations might make it easier for couples not to fall into a rut the same way that couples who don't have these lengthy separations do. Their biggest challenge is going to be how to get back in sync with each other so that they feel connected, so that the partner who needs that connection before they can be intimate has that moving forward. So just being very intentional about how do we feel connected and doing those things so that we can get back to that intimate kind of cycle where one partner usually needs to feel connected to have sex. The other usually feels connected by having sex. So then that starts this positive feedback loop of, I feel connected. So I want to have sex with you. I just had sex with you. So now I feel like doing the things that make us feel connected. I think I just kind of wanted to dive in and maybe get some other examples of just like other really way, really good ways that people tend to want connection from, because obviously there's a, there's a physical factor and kind of an emotional factor, but from maybe what you've seen out of examples from your clients or beneficial things you've seen in your own relationship of how to really increase connection, like on a more spiritual and mental level, how do you really be there for your partner in a really mentally intimate connection? Those deepest connections are the ones that touch your partner's heart. 
So we can go back to the five love languages. Almost no couple has, or, uh, almost no couple, they both have the same love language. So when you're thinking about really feeling connected to your partner, you're talking about acting in your partner's love language. So if their love language is words of affirmation, then really thinking through and getting into the habit of saying those words of appreciation, expressing how much uh, gratitude you have for the things that they do, recognizing how they make your life better, sitting down and talking with them about more than surface things. And that for each of the love languages, there's going to be a list of things that are going to help open up that connection and make that flow much more seamlessly. I think another question that I have is just like coming together over an incident or over like a time when we return to each other after we've been away for a long time. Something has changed, obviously, because when you leave for fire season and you come back after a long time, you've had a lot of season that you've covered and a lot of things have happened. So I wanted to get into kind of like either something bad has happened or something good has happened. I've been to a retreat in my life where I have had something really good or something has happened to me outside of the relationship where my mind has changed for the better. And I feel almost like I'm a different person because I have had a new perspective almost like installed into my into my conscious where I feel this way about these things now and trying to communicate that to my partner and really trying to integrate like it's it's almost like we're doing life a little bit differently now because I feel different and how to connect with each other on a brand new level is that almost like starting the relationship in a new way or is there a better way to kind of integrate new feelings I think about this as being on that path and one of you takes a couple steps ahead of the other. And just to give some, this is something that feels uncomfortable for everybody. And it can cause a lot of distress when you realize that you've just stepped into this new space and your partner's not ready to step there with you. So part of that is understanding that in the normal normal cycle of relationships, there's always going to be one who is growing a little bit faster or one who's lagging behind a little bit. And so the more that you can bring your partner along on that journey, where you share that growth as it's happening, the more you can understand that they're, they're lagging behind a little bit. And that doesn't mean that you've outgrown them. That means that they haven't quite caught up. The more you can kind of relax into that, knowing that's kind of a normal part of a relationship. So the last couple of years I had to quit coffee because coffee was like this liquid shot of anxiety for me. Like my heart would race. I could focus intently, but only for a couple hours and I would crash super hard. And my sleep was so off. I mean, I would be wandering the universe until, I don't know, three in the morning before I finally got to sleep. And then I had to get back at it at six or seven in the morning. And I was groggy, I was tired. It just wasn't working for me. It's not that I was mad at coffee, I was just really disappointed. And so I ended up quitting coffee. And I've been searching for an alternative for a long time. And that's when I came across Mudwater. Mudwater is this amazing, amazing tea. It's got masala chai in it, it's got cacao, lion's mane, cordyceps, chaga, reishi, cinnamon, turmeric, and Himalayan sea salt. And what's so amazing is that 
you feel the same energy, that same burst that you get from coffee, but it sustains all day. There's no crash, there's no headache, there's no dehydration. It's just this beautiful experience. And so yeah, I'm gonna say it, fuck your coffee. You gotta switch over to mud water because mud water will change your life. There's immune boosting properties, helps you focus with the lion's mane. There's one seventh of the caffeine compared to coffee. And so there's no jitters, there's no anxiety. It's just this beautiful experience with beautiful plants. So fuck your coffee. So if you want to try out mud water, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater or go to the shop and click on the button. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater. So one of my favorite things about the mud water company is that they donate a percentage of their profits to the MAPS Institute. It's an organization that develops medical, legal, and cultural context for people to benefit from the careful uses of psychedelics. So the you know, MDMA psychedelic assisted therapy phase three trials, this is MAPS. And that's so important because there's been some amazing breakthroughs in the research with veterans and PTSD and uh, depression and all sorts of amazing things that they're doing. It's so important to support this company. Something that's coming up for me is, is um, you know, talking about the retreat world or like really having that big personal growth spurt. I'm curious about what happens when there's one partner, like one partner knows the other really needs help. Like maybe they're really suffering with depression or something kind of serious mental health wise. And that partner's not really open to getting help or has a hard time talking about it. But the other partner like wants to help them, like really wants to support them. But it's like, it's almost the desire to help them creates like a friction almost. And it's, it's really hard on the relationship sometimes. And I would love to get your thoughts on this. Being clear about what you need in the situation is going to help you, whether you are the person who is trying to help or you're the person who needs the help. So it's okay to say to your partner, I'm uncomfortable because I see you suffering in this way and I'm going to get some support for myself because I want to continue to be able to support you. It's also okay for the person who needs the support to say, I need some space. I need to process this in my own way. There are many ways of processing through a problem. And I think we, as the helpers, often think, well, if you're not in therapy, then you're not working on this. And I think there's a lot of other ways that when we give give people some space to work through things, they can. Now, that doesn't mean that they can not work through it, but at least recognizing the ways that they're trying to work through it. Yeah. And what about there's a partner that's really suffering like that, but they're not really willing to work on it? Oh, yes. This is a probably one of the more frustrating things. And as the helper, it is so frustrating to be watching your partner who's essentially saying, I, I'm going to suffer and I'm okay suffering because I can't see anything else. Yeah. So being supportive, making sure that you get the support that you need, having those boundaries. Okay. You don't want to get therapy. You don't want to work on this with 
with someone from your company. You don't want to talk with a supportive friend. That's fine. I still need you to show up for me in these ways. I still need you to be part of the family in these ways. You have space to work on this, but you still have to show up. You still have to be part. Mm, yeah, I think that's so beautiful. That boundary is really, really important. Oh, wow. So so the other question I think that comes up, especially like um, in kind of a male and female relationship, there's the male sometimes, and, and of course I've done this so many times in my life until I learned, but it's like when when the, the woman is speaking about her day or, or sharing, it's like you just want to fix it, right? Like, but that's not really listening when we just want to fix, like give the solution. And so is there any tips or advice you have for, um, for people that are struggling with that, like fixing versus really actually listening to their partner? So I'm going to answer this, but I'm sitting here laughing a little bit because I've had this conversation recently with my husband where I'm like, stop offering me solutions. Just be supportive. Here's what I would tell your listeners. You guys are working too hard if you are trying to solve the problem for the other person. Like you're working much, much harder than you need to. And if you learn a few statements of support, you actually can settle down and know that they're going to solve this problem. And all you have to do is show up and be there with them. So some some having, I don't know, five or so statements that you can pull out at that time, such as, man, that really sucks. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Like, that's what a supportive statement sounds like. And you actually don't have to come up with a list of things to solve it. And how, you know, I think just listening to the partner, like that is so profound to just have somebody to listen to, right? And, and I think that's, it's so important. Yeah, so much of change happens because someone was present and heard or witnessed what the other person experienced. And they don't have to do anything more than being present. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And so so I think something that really comes up in our community is like the, the uh, relationship and career balance. Because one of the major afflictions for our community is that the job becomes their identity. And it's like a very big thing for them. And they... I think we compartmentalize kind of the job and life, job and life, and it soon becomes our life is the job, right? And so how, like, what's your advice or tips for helping our wildland firefighters balance the relationship and career? Well, I think this is a value-based question. The, the career is very, very important. The relationship is very, very important. And if you want both of them, you're going to have to invest some time and energy in both of them. Now, it's easier to kind of follow that path of investing in your career, and you can see those rewards as you go. Your relationship needs the same sort of investment, maybe not even at the same level, but it has to have some investment in it. Otherwise, that's just going to fizzle and fade away. Uh, and it may fade away in a big explosion rather than just quietly fading away. 
I think the big takeaways that I have is communication is so incredibly important and so difficult at the same time. Um, communication just between identifying our own um, like drawbacks, things that we don't want to mention because it's either going to hurt our feelings or we think we shouldn't say it or I have a limiting belief around something that I want to say or shouldn't say, whatever it is. And just understanding that the more communication you can have and the more you can kind of attune to how your partner communicates, the better the relationship is going to go for the most part. Because if you can say, I'm struggling here, then you've identified a problem that you kind of can both work on. Or if you say, you know, I'm doing fine, which is the statement that usually tends to come out, at least from my mouth, um, then it's that problem is still there. Just no one's acknowledged it. And if you can open up and be kind of a bigger person and identify some of the things that you have interest in because there's no one else in your head you are having these thoughts just air them out the worst thing that can happen is there's an argument and then you start to fix them but you're not going to know or be able to do anything about those unless you start communicating i think that a lot of things that people do to avoid a conflict actually build a bigger conflict in the background so i sometimes say you need to over communicate and it, it may seem a little counterintuitive, but having five small conversations around an issue is much, much better than having one blow up marathon discussion where you try to solve the whole problem. So when you take these things in smaller bites, you can have a 15 minute conversation and then say, I need a break or let me think about all these things. Now, the trick to this working is that you have to bring up that topic again. If you just let that lay until the next time it comes up, again, you're setting yourself up for that argument rather than a discussion. But if you have in your mind, we need to talk about this in short bits. And so I'm going to bring this up every couple of days until we get through and actually get to a solution, then it makes it easier to limit that and then bring it back up and then put it down and then bring it back up. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, I love that so much. And and so many times little things just start building up until like you're saying this marathon, this two hour discussion happens and everybody's exhausted and there's no real good solution, right? Right. And you don't have time to think about things and do it from that place of being calm and pulling in different ideas. You're trying to solve it right then and there with the tools that you're thinking about when you're emotionally flooded and are not thinking things through like all the repercussions of them so being able to take those in smaller chunks gives you that time to process in between so so what happens when we have resentment frustration there's a tiff there's a fight there's an argument like how do we release those things so we can allow the love, the generosity, the kindness to come back? Like what's, what's, what's some of your advice to work through some of those resentments and frustrations to allow those things, the love, the light to come back? There are so many ways of making repairs in relationships. Um, now the most straightforward way that people usually know and understand is giving a good apology. Now, a good apology is specific in what you're apologizing for. It usually gives some voice to how you hurt the other person. And it 
comes it includes a plan about how you're not going to hurt them in the future that at least not the same way but there are a lot of other ways of making repairs another very powerful way of making a repair is to not do the same thing again if you did something and then you don't do it again most partners are willing to say all right that was a one-time thing they weren't trying to hurt me it just happened that way obviously that isn't who they are because they haven't done it again um, but there are lots of ways of making repairs that clean out that resentment and disappointment in the relationship we're, we're starting to wrap up here but is there any last thoughts for the audience that you want to share or anything you want to go deeper into I think that when we talk about these gender stereotyped ways of dealing with things, many men want to deal with problems from a problem solving standpoint. And that really resonates with me because what you need to do is identify what the problem is in the relationship and then look at the ways of doing it differently so it meets both of your needs and then try some different solutions until you find one that actually works so i you can really use that problem solving approach to make it a much more nuts and bolts discussion now just like listening to your partner is what they need listening is a solution to the problem so I think the when I think about these situations in relationships, I think about a lot more of this nuts and bolts, like how do we live well together and then find those solutions? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, yeah, living well together. That's so important because just like the dishes or the trash or cleaning the house, like even those little things, I think for most couples, they actually do create a lot of friction. Yeah. And when you have those sorts of things go well, it builds a lot of goodwill for the things that are harder to solve. Right, right. Oh, that's so, so amazing. So Sherry, where can people find you? Where can they find your services? Where can they get a hold of you? Is there any social media they can follow? Yeah, probably the best place to find me is on my website because it gives you all of the links to everything. My website is SherryTimco.com um, and it will direct you to, you can reach out to me directly. You can come hang out with me in my Facebook group. That's probably the place I spend the most time. Um, and of course you can access my services. Um, I also have a couple of walkthrough guides that might be helpful to your listeners. One is on setting up these relationship habits. Um, they're also sometimes called rituals. The other is about a walkthrough about how to um, work through these transitions so that they go much smoother. Oh, that's so amazing. Just to help the wildland firefighters go, go through these transitions. Um, everybody listening, you got to check out the, the, the free content that Sherry's giving you because it's going to be really powerful and really important. And, you know, I think for, for everybody listening, you know, when we think about the divorce rate in our community, it's over 50%. Think about how many of your fellow coworkers are divorced or going through a divorce or has a really hard relationship at home. And, and it's, it's so wide throughout our community and it's so important to focus on our family and our relationships. So Sherry, thank you so much for being so insightful and giving us your wisdom. Uh, 
I think a good wrap up is uh, just really kind of harming on communication again and learning how to communicate with your partner better takes practice and whether or not that practice feels good or it doesn't feel good you need to continue to do it because the more you understand each other the the healthier your relationship will be and incorporating a lot of these things that cherry has to offer will also be very beneficial for you but just keep plugging along with it we trust you you're doing well and good luck great insight for everybody listening you know if you're struggling with your with your partner, please reach out to Sherry. She's here to help you. So thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to talk to you guys. The work that you're doing is so important. So I'm grateful to the work that you're doing, not just with this community, but with the information that you're putting out to the broader world. Mm, Thank you so much. And everybody listening, we'll catch you on the next one.